Now, this is just for the stage, but, but truly, like, it, it's not like when a missionary has to go somewhere and suit up and just hope that everybody likes him enough that they can support him. Like, y'all are family. And, uh, and same DNA in Christ, same DNA in, in, in this Bible. And so uh, I'm excited to study it with you this morning, but I also want to share with you guys about what God has been doing with our family and in our family and in the country of Hungary since the last time I was here. And the last time I was here, I believe it was early 2019. Because like Corey said, I actually came here before we started deputation, which was in the fall of 2019. Um, I, I came off staff as a pastor at our church and started fundraising. And uh, before I was even off staff, Corey's like, well, just come down and share what you're doing or what you're going to do. I'm like, okay, sounds good. Um, and so you guys are the first... or. Tony Godfrey always argues with me. It was either this church or I, I, maybe I could go check records. It was either you guys or Tony out in uh, Iola, Kansas that first took us on before I was even technically a missionary. So praise God for you guys. You mean a lot to me. And a lot has changed since I've been here. I mean, the last time I was here, there was no such thing as COVID. So the world has changed. Now we're having dude showers. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> And I, I mean, I, I turned around and I was like, is that, I've been out of the States a few years. Is this, I know it's getting rough over here, but man. So, you know, praise the Lord. I'll be praying for y'all. You keep praying for me. Um, but no, I love, I love both of your pastors so much. Like, I, yeah, like Corey said, I've known him almost a decade now. And Justin, fortunately, I'm younger than Justin. He said, unfortunately. Um, but, but yeah, truly, I've known Justin for a long time, even if from afar, because he was the pastor's kid. Him and, him and his sister. And so uh, Mark was my pastor growing up since, I mean, from the time I can remember until I was in high school uh, when he moved on. And then, and then Jeff Bartell came to our church. So, man, I've just always had amazing men of God pouring into me and teaching me the Bible. And so, man, praise God for that. Um, but, but, yeah, I want to share with you guys a little bit about what God is doing in us and what he's done uh, since we've been here in 2019. So if you want to go ahead and go to the first, well, let's just do a little bit of a hungry recap. If, if you don't know your world geography, and I didn't before I moved to Europe as well, so Hungary is a small little country in Eastern Europe, okay? And it borders, there's seven countries that border it. You got Slovakia, Austria, oh, what else is down there? A little sliver of Slovenia, Croatia, Serbia, Romania, Ukraine is up in the top part. Um, and so, yeah, there's a war going on over there. We border Ukraine. It's not that far away. I live in Budapest, which is that north central. You see the little star there in the middle. And so we live in the capital city. Um, it's a 10 million person country. And uh, that's the size of a lot of states. I don't know how many. Georgia probably got a couple more than that. Um, but it's pretty similar to the state of Ohio where I'm from. And so uh, 2 million of the population live in Budapest. So you've got 20% of the population in the main city. And so uh, there, there's, there's a lot of people. What's really cool, I don't have time to get into the history, is that 100 years ago after World War I, Hungary got blamed for some stuff. So they cut them up and they gave two-thirds of their land away to the surrounding countries. So in each of those seven countries, you've got Hungarian minorities that speak Hungarian. And if someone were to go and to plant a church and let's say disciple people, and over the years sent out missionaries, they could potentially reach seven different countries without having to learn a different language. And so I think that's a key place and a key part of the world to reach Central and Eastern Europe. And so that's something that we're praying to God for the long term. It's a predominantly Catholic culture. It's estimated that under 3% of the population is evangelical. Now, that doesn't mean saved. That means isn't Catholic. Right. 
So 90% of the culture is Catholic. This, that, that statistic would include the JWs, the Mormons, and anybody who's not a Catholic. So if you're looking at just people who understand the gospel, it's probably something like less than a percent of that 10 million people. And so if the Lord comes back tomorrow, by all accounts, 99% of the population ain't going to heaven with him. And so that's why we're there. That's, that, that's why we're there. And we're excited to be working. And um, why don't you go ahead and go to the next slide. I've just got some pictures. What I want to do is just kind of give you guys just a, a, a quick timeline. We're going to do this quickly. But I just want to see you how far God has brought us. 2019 is when we started deputation in the fall. Um, and so we were preaching in churches. Look, look at that picture. That's, I don't know why I look like a Calvinist in that picture. I'm not. And I thought, actually, when Corey said we're starting our Calvinism class, I was like, that we're against it. So, like, just... If you're new here, he's not, he's not saying, hey, we're teaching on Calvinism on Wednesday. He's saying we're teaching against Calvinism. Uh, I ain't a Calvinist neither. Uh, my son, Judah, right there, he's five years old already, which is crazy. We have another son, Isaac, who will turn one uh, next month. And then my wife, Brooke, of course. Why don't you go ahead and go to the next slide. So in 2020, we had started our fundraising in the fall of 19. Six months later, the world shuts down. Everything goes crazy. And so we don't know when we're going to get to hungry or how or if, um, but we're just trusting the Lord. And so long story short, God managed to help us raise the rest of our funds. We had a small window. If you guys remember, all of the countries of the world had shut their borders down. You weren't just flying to Europe with your passport and then stamping, getting a stamp and then staying for a couple weeks and going home. It, that didn't happen. So we had to drive to New York City, visit the embassy, ask for a visa, and, and finally, we, we got the okay that we could go in December, two weeks before Christmas, is when we moved to Hungary with our family. Um, and so I wouldn't recommend doing that strategy, um, but you, you take what the Lord gives you, right? So 2021, we had been there a few weeks, right? We start language learning. The theme of 2021 would have, oh, I've got this thing right in front of me. I keep looking over here. All right. You guys look there. I'll look at this one. So we start learning the language. Uh, I'm doing an intensive class four or five days a week. I'm, I'm on Zoom classes three, four hours a day um, doing homework and just banging my head against the wall trying to learn Hungarian grammar. If you don't know, Hungarian is one of the hardest languages in the world to learn. It's in the top five typically, depending on what list you look at, underneath things like Mandarin, Chinese, and Arabic. So I didn't know that before I signed up, but the, the Lord can do all things, right? And so... Uh, we, we did just a ton of language learning and what we would say cultural adaptation, but that's really just figuring out how to live there. It's a really fancy spiritual word for figuring out how to live here and what do people do? What do they look like? How do they think? How do they buy groceries? We had a lot of COVID restrictions. There was an 8 p.m. curfew. We couldn't go outside of our house past 8 p.m. There was no stores open other than uh, grocery stores, gas stations, and, and maybe pharmacies. Uh, so really, only essential things open, not like in America where it's like, well, you know, this is kind of essential. It was like, no, they shut her down really quick. And so there was masks everywhere. And, and I know there was here too, but I, I mentioned that because if you ever tried to learn a second language where you can't see anyone's mouths and they're behind a plexiglass thing and you're, I mean, it, it was just, it was a wild time, a very unique time. And so we just spent a lot of time in prayer and language study that whole year and just figuring out how to live in that country. And then in 2022, 
God finally, after about a year of just praying and staying at his feet and studying grammar, God finally started sending us some people. He started sending us some men and some women. And so we started having um, some Bible studies. We started having uh, j- just here and there, not every single week, just, you know, some friends would come over. You know, I would lead worship and my son Judah there is strumming his guitar really loudly um, and, and not on key. And... Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's, it, it was a really good time. I, we did like an Easter thing where we had invited some people over who hopefully wouldn't think that that's weird to do. And, um, and so that was, you know, 2021. At the end, or that was 2022. At the end of 2022, we came back for the first time um, to have a baby. So we had Isaac in October of 2022, and he... Uh, there was a lot of issues um, with that pregnancy, but the Lord provided. We were able to come home for the first time in almost two years, see our family, visit some churches, and have the baby. Um, and then when we came back in 2023, this is what we've been doing this year. Um, we started weekly Bible studies in February, every Sunday afternoon in our home. I lead worship in Hungarian. We pray for each other. Um, we study the Bible. We were doing a creation to Christ type Bible study. And so... Uh, you know, a couple of our friends who are coming were saved. We've got seven or eight who, if we're all there on, on, this, on one Sunday, there'll be seven or eight of them. Maybe they bring a guest and then our family. So it, you know, there can be 10, 12, 13 people there. Um, and since then, all of the friends, like as of a couple weeks ago, have gotten saved now. So the last domino fell just a couple weeks before, actually maybe the week before I came back in September. And so praise the Lord for that. Here's uh, us doing Bible study at, uh, at my friend Marcel's house. Um, what's the next slide? Just more pictures. Oh, we did a summer camp, which was really cool. Um, we did a summer camp in a village um, two or three hours away from Budapest. Had some American churches come in, and 15 kids got saved. Praise the Lord. But what else was really cool is that five of our guys from the Bible study were the translators. And so these guys, half of them weren't even saved yet. And it's like, hey, come do ministry with me. And, and, it, and I tried to tell them, like, listen, the Americans aren't just hiring you to be translators. We're going on a missions trip with these Americans, and we're going to go reach Hungarians with the gospel of Christ. And so that was a wonderful time of just kind of trying to invest the, the, the vision of being missional and sharing Christ's love with other people. Here's some pictures of us doing the camp. Um, and another really cool thing that happened in 2023 is I became a Hungarian citizen, um, a dual citizen. So me and my son Judah both got dual citizenship, and that, that goes, we, we got it so quickly through our family line. So for the last two or three years, um, I've been digging up documents, marriage certificates, birth certificates, and the Hungarian government allows you, if you have Hungarian lineage, if you can prove it and speak adequate intermediate level Hungarian to apply for citizenship. And so we were approved this year, took the oath, and so now I've got two passports. And the reason I did that is because y'all, if, when, COVID happens again, and Satan shuts down world travel again because he ain't playing games in the end times. We saw that. If he wants to shut down world travel, they ain't kicking me out. That's why I did it. That's why I did it. We're there now. Now, my wife, she's like a green card situation. So, like, she's not a tour or she's not a, uh, um, a citizen yet. But it sounds like she just uh, sent me a text the other night that it looks like they're going to approve her new residence permit for five years, I think. Because this is our first time <clears throat> with her applying based on me being a citizen. So <clears throat> praise the Lord for that. Our other son, Isaac, he's getting his in October. When I get back, actually, well, they're making him take the oath. I don't know. I guess I got to hold his little hand up. Um, I don't know. But yeah, so praise the Lord for all of that. Uh, what do we got on there next? 2024 goals. 
So hopefully you've seen just in the last 10 minutes all that the Lord has done just in the last three, four years. So now we've got a group of seven, eight people. They're all saved. And they're on a spectrum. Listen, I'm not up here going to say they're all wonderful, perfect little Christians. No, they're all baby Christians, and, and they don't know anything. They, they, they've, well, they're, they're learning stuff, but like they, they're unchurched. They started from scratch. We didn't go there to steal other people's sheep. We went there to lead lost people to Christ. And so these guys are baby Christians, and now I'm starting to, to vision cast for them about why we need to take this casual weekly Bible study, and it needs to become a local New Testament church. And so we're starting that transition now, even just in vision casting it. Um, <clears throat> two of our people, Marcel and Bolgi, who are, who are married, they're both lawyers. They're super smart. So they're going to help us figure out the legal side of becoming a church. Um, my other friends, Vicky and Titus, that we're going to look at buildings together. We're bringing them along together. Because this isn't my ministry. This is the Lord's ministry. And this isn't my church. This is our church. And so you have to bring them along to see that so that they don't think, oh, yeah, I'm going to your church because you're my friend. You're a missionary. No, it's, it's our church. So you're teaching them the church is a body. The church is a building made up of stones of believers founded on the foundation of Christ and the apostles. You're teaching them all of these things from scratch because they don't know. And so it's a fun time. It's, it's a, it it's, can be exhausting sometimes. But please pray for us as, as we're doing that. And make sure, man, before you guys leave, I've got the table out in the front. Grab a prayer card. Uh, stick it on your fridge. I'm going to do the thing. And when you're hungry, pray for hungry. All right. So I did the thing. Thousands of times. Thousands of times. Okay. And uh, I've also got a little present for the kids if, if you want to stop by and, and they can grab something from there as well. So um, this entire time, my tablet decided to shut off. So I'm pulling up the sermon on my phone. Um, Corey probably preaches from paper so that this right here can't happen, right? <laughs> and I don't have internet. That's, oh man, this is just a wonderful time. I can't even pull, oh, hey, tablet's on. Look at that. All right, God, that'll work. Okay, now stay on. Wonderful. If not, we're just going to preach and see what happens, man. We got the word of God. Oh, turned off. Are you serious right now? This is wild. No, no, it's just, it's on 97%. All right, we'll see how it goes, guys. I know the sermon, so we're just going to trust the Lord. You know what? How about we pray and ask God to teach us because regardless of this electronic device, the Lord has something to tell us this morning, amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, I love you so much, and I thank you for the privilege of being at Cali Harbin. It's been a while. I'm so excited to be with them. This church has meant a lot to us, being one of the first to, to trust us and support us and put their faith in us to go do what you've called us to do. And so, Lord, I just pray that this morning as we study your word, that uh, you would move me aside and that the Holy Spirit would speak, that the word of God would not return void, but that everyone in here would hear what they need to hear. And we would have ears to hear and hearts to hear and to go out and obey and not just be hearers of the word, but doers also. So I pray that you would change us and thank you in advance for what you're going to do. And it's in the name of Christ that I pray. Amen. Now, um, I, I'm staying at a little at, at the Holiday Inn Express, and I don't have a joke about staying at a Holiday Inn Express, but um, I, had, I didn't even tell you guys this, but it was a wild morning. So about 6.30, my alarm goes off, and I'm playing the snooze game, right? I look, 6.30, ah, snooze, right? Hit, hit the phone, snooze. 6.40 rolls around, the alarm goes off again, ah, snooze. I, I got till 7. So you're playing, I, I don't know, does anyone play that game where you set the alarm about 30 minutes before you need to be up? just so that you're in that transitional phase of waking up. And so I do the snooze game a couple times, and all of a sudden, a big old siren comes on, and it's the fire alarm. And I'm like, oh, no, what's happening? And I, I mean, it's, I know it's the fire alarm, so I'm, I'm grabbing, okay, what do I get? Passports, phone, pants, put pants on, and, and just grabbing stuff, and I, and I run down the stairs. Everybody else 
It, I don't know if it's a Georgia thing or an America thing. They're all just looking out the door. <laughs> They're not even moving. They're just, they got the doors open. They're all looking at each other like, do you know us? No, I, do you see a fire? I ain't see a fire. And they go back in the room. But I go downstairs, and I'm like, oh, hey, awesome, man. Thank you. If it does go out, we got a backup. So, so I go downstairs, and the lady's like, it's fine. There's nothing wrong. And I'm like, are you serious right now? So there was no fire. There was just an alarm. And I don't know why, but I went back up, and now I'm awake. I'm not pressing the snooze anymore. And you know what? I just I, I thought that, that was worthy of mentioning, mostly so you guys would understand why my heart palpitations are going this morning. But, but also because, listen, we're, we're going to talk about the mission today. We're going to talk about not just foreign missions, but the Great Commission that the Lord has given us, right? And I, and I think, I don't know, I don't know everybody in here, but I think there's probably some of us in here who are playing the snooze game on the Great Commission. And every week we come into church and God's like, hey, remember what you're supposed to be doing? And you're like, yeah, 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 I'll get to it, I'll get to it. Ten more minutes. But there's coming a day, y'all, real quick, where the Lord's going to part the sky and the big siren's going to go off, the trump's going to sound, we're going to go up and it's going to be over. And there's no more time to lead souls to Christ. There's no more time to gain gold and silver and precious stones because we're going to come before him at the judgment seat of Christ and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? Right. And that's going to be the big wake-up call. And it's going to be, it's too late. Right. It's over. All of those friends and family that I should have, would have, could have shared the gospel with, there's no time left. And so I just want to encourage you as we're looking at God's word today, listen, if you're playing the snooze game with the Great Commission, would you stop it? We've got a job to do, Christians, and the Lord's coming back soon. And if the recent events in the last couple of years of the world hasn't told you that, man, I'm telling I don't think we got 50 years, man. I don't think we got 20 years. It's coming. So let's get serious about the Lord's business. That ain't just for foreign missionaries. That's for all of us, okay? Because what I want you to see this morning is just because you're not a foreign missionary doesn't mean that you're not sent. Does that make sense? Just because you're not a foreign missionary doesn't mean you aren't sent because we've all got a role to play in the Great Commission. I'm fulfilling the role that God asked me to do by going to Hungary. You're fulfilling the role that God asked you to do by holding the rope. But you're not just sitting back here holding the rope. You're, you're ministering to Villarica and to all of Atlanta and to Georgia and to the United States. That's what we would call Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost. We're all doing this thing together and we're all serving different roles. Because the truth is, we've all been sent. It doesn't matter where. Real, truly, I know that sounds crazy for a missionary to say. It really doesn't matter where there's lost people everywhere. So where has God sent you? Where are you at right now? Well, God sent you there. It's not an accident. He has you right where he wants you to be. Even if you're there because of your own flesh, he can use you right where you're at, and he wants to use you. So I have a theme verse, kind of a springboard for us this morning. In John chapter 20, if you want to turn there, get John 20 in one hand and get Ephesians 2 in the other. We're going to spend most of the morning in Ephesians 2. But our springboard for this morning is John chapter 20 and verse 21, which is John's version of the Great Commission. We all know Matthew, right, 28, 19, and 20. We all know Mark 16, 15, because it's the shortest version. It's easier to remember. But John 20 gives us an interesting take on the Great Commission because Jesus is looking to his disciples and says, then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. As my Father hath sent me, so send I you. This isn't just some sort of like 
um, spiritual sounding like, oh, you know, you guys are kind. No, he's making a metaphor here. Like and as in the Bible, these are two important words, right? Jesus is comparing his disciples and their being sent as the Father had sent him. And so we not only know that we have been sent because we're disciples of Christ, but we know that we have been sent into the world as Christ was sent. So today I want us to ponder this question, how was Jesus sent? Because if I've been sent as Jesus was sent, I I ought to know how he was sent. If we have been sent as Jesus, how was he sent? That question matters. And not just for me and other foreign missionaries, but for all of us who have been sent into the world, bearing the message of the gospel as ambassadors for Christ. Amen? And the answer to this question is pivotal to how I live my life. If if I'm just, if I'm sent as Jesus was sent, then that means that Jesus is the model for every missionary, domestic and foreign. He's the model. And so there are many aspects of Christ that we could study this morning to see how he was sent. I'll give you a cross-reference. You can do this on your own. John 17 and verse 18, if you write stuff in the margin of your Bible, is a perfect cross-reference from John 20 to John 17 and verse 18. And then John 17 talks about discipleship. You all know that. But it also talks about having being sanctified on the word of God and being unified on the word of God. And so there's many aspects we could look at. But, but the one that I feel like God wants us to start with this morning in pondering how Jesus was sent, because that's how I'm sent, is is the mindset of Christ. You know, I I know that Georgia is big on sports and college football, and, and, and when you're talking about sports, sometimes kids can be talented as all get out, but if their mind ain't right, Oh, they can be playing poor, right? It's like you got to get your mind right. You, you can get the yips sometimes, depending on the sports you're in. It don't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how many times you practice. you got to get your mind right so that the actions can follow. And so this morning, I want to look at the mindset of Christ in Philippians 2. And now listen, we're going to look at verses 5 through 8. You all have read that 100,000 times in your life, I'm sure. Probably memorized it. But I want to challenge you to look at it with fresh eyes this morning. And open ears, open hearts, because we're going to look at it in the context of mission. In the context of the Great Commission. Because we're sent as Christ was sent. And Paul's going to say in verse 4, or verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So we're going to see the mind of Christ this morning. Now, we, we have the entire mind of Christ, amen? We have the revelation of the word of God. We have the mind of Christ. But here we're going to see the mind of Christ specifically in regards to his mission. Well, and that's what we want to see as we're pondering how are we to be sent into the world. So let's go ahead and read that really quick. He says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, I know, I know, we've read it a hundred times. I get it. But listen, we have here the mind of Christ in regards to his mission. And so let's look at this in the context of missions and how we are to be sent. How should our mind look? What should our mindset be as we obey what Paul told us and to let this mind be in us, okay? So that's that's what we're going to look at this morning. Now, we're going to you know, it's kind of a shame. We're going to kind of glance over verse 6. That's not the primary focus of our study. But, but let's just mention really quick the divinity of Christ in verse 6. 
where, Je- where it says, Jesus, being in the form of God, dotted not robbery to be equal with God. That's because he wasn't stealing nothing that wasn't his. That means Jesus was equal. He is and was God. Now, if you got yourself one of them newfangled Bibles, I, I mean, we, we got to say it because we're here. It's going to say something like, now, Jesus, he didn't think equality with God to be something to be grasped. Oh, how intellectual sounding. Well, that don't sound like Jesus is equal with God. It sounds like you're saying, well, Jesus didn't really know what it meant to be equal with God. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that he wasn't stealing anything because he was God. But in light of the fact that he was God in human flesh, he did some things. He did some things. And that's what I want to look at today. We're going to examine verses 7 and 8, and we're going to see a list of qualities, some mindsets that Jesus had that we need to have. And they're closely related with each other. But there is a little bit of a distinction between the list in verses 7 In verse 8, because in verse 7, we see what Jesus' mindset in life was. And then in verse 8, we see his mindset in death. And so I want to make a bit of distinction in the practical application for us today. And I'm going to do that by saying our way versus our walk. And and we're going to fill in the details and understand that more by the end. But the distinction I want us to see practically is our way versus our walk. And so our our first point here, if if you're keeping notes, is our way, it's the direction of our lives. The direction of our lives, okay? And, And our way is the direction that we should seek to point our lives in so that when we're stepping, we're going the right way. What's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say, right? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understandings, but in all thy ways... Acknowledge him and he'll do what? Direct thy paths. So get your way right and your paths, your steps, will go the right way. So we got to get our way right when we're talking about mentality and mindset. So right now our way, it's, it's the macro versus the micro. Okay, it's, it's the zoomed out version, the broad view versus the zoomed in and the, and the, the small picture. So if, if, if we acknowledge that this biblical model for our lives and we establish Christ's way as our way, then what we can do is we can make daily decisions necessary for each of our steps to get us to where we want to go. But you got to have the right mindset first. You got to know what you got to you got to think right so that you can act right, okay? So Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 6. Well, just, let's just skip down to verse 7 again. So he was equal with God, but what's the contrast? He made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Three things that are going to relate to our way. No reputation. That's the first one. Now, the definition for reputation is is credit or honor or character that's specifically derived from a favorable public opinion or favorable public esteem. And so it's all about how people view us. It's not just what your character is. It's how people view your character. And so having a reputation is, what do people think about me? And Jesus didn't care. He was a somebody, but he made himself a nobody. Jesus had the reputation, and he he cashed it in, made himself of no reputation because he had a mission. That was his mindset. John chapter 8 and verse 50, he says, I seek not mine own glory. There is one that seeketh and judges. Jesus was somebody, but he came to this earth and made himself a nobody so that he could point to the Father. That's what he did. And that should be the mindset of those who are sent as Jesus was sent. That's us. 
Christ made himself of no reputation so that his life would bring glory to the Father. So let me ask you, I'm going to do this after each one. How are you doing with that? How about us? How much do we care about our reputation in whatever context? Our family, our, our neighborhood, our community, our job, our school, in this church? Or are we too prideful that we could never lower ourselves for the sake of the gospel? Because listen, this is the mindset of those who are sent. To make ourselves, ourselves of no reputation. And there's going to be this theme in all of these, this pride theme. You can't do none of these if you're a proud person. And Jesus was the opposite of proud. And that's, so keep that in mind as we're looking at these. Is that if, you, if you got pride, you're not going to be able to do none of these. Number two, he was a servant. Although he was in the form of God, he willingly made himself. He took upon him the form of a servant. Mark chapter 10 and verse 44 says, Whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even, notice, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus didn't desire to be served when he came, but to serve others. Now, in contrast, what does our flesh desire? Our flesh desires to be served. It's the opposite of what Jesus modeled for us, to be a servant. And to serve others. His goal was to give his life a ransom that he might save many. And so he made himself voluntarily a servant. Paul echoes that statement in 1 Corinthians 9 when he says, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all. Why? That I might gain the more. It's, I, everything I do is for the sake of the gospel. I'm free from all men. I don't serve nobody. But I made myself a servant so that I could gain souls. That's why he did it. So how about us? Are we servants? Are we servant-hearted? Do we willingly put others above ourselves so that we could see them saved for the sake of the body of Christ, for the glory of God? Or do we see a job that needs done in the church and think, ah, that's kind of below me. Let the kids sweep the floors, right? Let the new guy stack the chairs, Man, I've been here 10, 20 years. Let the new people serve in the children's ministry. I'm a deacon. No, that's not the mindset of a sent one. A sent one is a servant. And by the way, the word deacon means servant, so we should all know that at this point, right? The mindset of a sent one is to make themselves a servant. Next, he made himself in the likeness of men. Though being in the form of God, he was made in the likeness of men. Now, obviously, this is of immense doctrinal importance. Because Jesus was God in human flesh, right? He wasn't just a man. He was also God. He was God with skin on. John 1.14 tells us that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, right? And, and we beheld his glory and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But I want to look at this from a practical standpoint and not just a doctrinal one. What did Jesus do? He came into the world to save those that lived here. He became like us. In order to save us. See that? Yes, he was God and he became in the likeness of men. What's that mean? He became like those he wanted to save. He lowered himself and became like us so that he could save us. Hebrews 4.15 tells us that we don't have a high priest that can't be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. 
And so when we go through hardships in life and we go through sicknesses in life and we go through miscarriages and we go through deaths and we go through pain and suffering, Jesus suffered all of those like that for us. We don't have a God who sits in some heavenly throne and just looks down and gets enjoyment out of seeing suffering. He suffered our suffering. He understands. He became like us so that he could reach us. He became as those that he desired to reach because that's the mindset of a sent one. The Apostle Paul echoes it once again. 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 20. He says, Unto the Jews I became a Jew that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law as without law being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. Why? That I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. Listen, I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Why do I do it? This I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be, mar- that I might be partaker thereof with you. Christ and Paul set their lives in a way, in a direction, so that they could reach people with the gospel because they had a mission to do. And we have been sent as Christ. We have a mission to do. We need to get our walk pointed in the right direction. We need to get our mind right so that we can do what he asked us to do. So let me ask you this. If Jesus became like those that he was willing to, that he wanted to reach, let me ask you, are we willing to go where lost people go in order to make lost friends to share the gospel with them? Now, I'm not saying to sin. I get it. I'm saying hang out with sinners. Because that's what, that's what Jesus did, right? That's what he did. He, the Pharisees hated that he hung out with publicans and sinners. They hated that. But Jesus said, whole people don't need a doctor. I'm here to hang out with sinners. And if sinners make you uncomfortable, then, then, then what good is your holiness? The whole point of you being sanctified and set apart is to draw people to Christ. I understand that sin is uncomfortable because we have the Holy Spirit in us. But sinners are the people we're here to reach. And so do we leave this church building? Do we leave our houses? Do we leave our schools long enough to get out of our comfort zone, to get into the world so that we can make friends with lost people, so that we can reach lost people? In foreign missions, we call this cultural adaptation. And that's just a fancy way for saying that I'm willing to change things about myself in order to reach people. That's all it means. Now, do you think that's only for foreign missionaries? Or do you think that's for all of us? Because we've all been sent as Jesus was sent. Because Jesus, guys, he met us where we were at. Are we willing to do the same? Will you go down? I I don't know what you all have down here, but I know Atlanta's not far away. Will you go to the homeless shelter? Will you go to the jail? Will you go to the city, to the slum, to the inner city? Will you go to the countryside? Wherever you have to go in order to share the gospel with lost people. Or is that beneath us? And we, I, man, I'm not willing to step out of my comfort zone. Christ stepped out of the ultimate comfort zone for us so that we could be saved, so that we could be reconciled. And then lo and behold, he gives us this ministry of reconciliation and we sit on it in our pew and we don't take it to the world. Now, I'm not sitting up here telling you you need to sign up to go to China tomorrow, but there's a bunch of lost people right outside these doors. And who's going to reach them? That's y'all's job. That's our job right here. We've got to get the right mindset. Nothing was beneath Jesus because he lowered 
himself. That was his walk. Now we're going to go to verse 8, and we're going to see number 2, our, our, our walk. So that was his way. We just looked at our way, the direction of our lives. Number 2 is our walk, and this is the daily decisions that we make. The daily decisions that we make. So if we read Philippians 2 and verse 8 again, it says that being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So verse 7 showed us how Jesus oriented his life, and now verse 8 shows us what he did in his death. And so our way is how we orient our life so that we can make daily decisions in our walk to be a servant, to be sent. That's, that's the contrast I want us to see. And so the first thing he did was he humbled himself, humbled being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He made himself low voluntarily. And that means that he had no pride. Because the opposite of pride is humility. You can't make yourself low if you're lifting yourself up, right? It's not possible. It's the cry of John the Baptist in John chapter 3 when he says that he must increase, but I must decrease, right? So what's awesome, though, is not only are we called to be humble, but God gives us this promise in Scripture that those who humble themselves willingly, he lifts up, he exalts. And those who exalt themselves, he puts down. Here's a couple, James 4, 6 says that, Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. Luke 14, 11, Whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So we have this promise that if we'll willingly make ourselves a servant and humble ourselves, that God sees that, and he holds us up. He exalts us. But we should also know that the converse is true. Because if we're going to lift ourselves up in pride, I don't know when, I don't know the timeline, but be sure that he will abase us. He will make us low, whether in this life or the next. Jesus humbled himself. Sent ones humble themselves. Now notice this. Jesus didn't have to be humbled, right? He humbled himself. Now, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I'm sure all of us in here have been humbled at some point by something we said, something we did, reaping the consequences of our silly decisions. We've all been humbled. He's not saying to be humbled. He's saying humble yourself. Right. Willingly humble yourself. Don't make the Lord humble you. Right. That's, you don't want that. Sent ones freely choose to humble themselves. And so we need to ask ourselves, in our daily walk, the daily decisions that we make, do we consistently humble ourselves? Or are we too proud? And we just exalt ourselves any chance we get. Next one, obedient. He became obedient unto death. Now we're going to look at death specifically in the next point. I want to just look at obedience here for a second. Because Jesus chose to become obedient to the Father's will for his life rather than his own. You guys know this, Matthew 26, before the crucifixion. Verse 39, he goes out, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. Right. He didn't want to do it. It wasn't going to be fun, but that was his mission. That's what God sent him to do. He was sent with a purpose. And he didn't want to in his flesh, mind you, but in his deity, he said, Father, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He says it again in verse 42. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And so listen, when God asks you to do something hard, 
You don't have to fake like it's awesome. You don't have to pretend, hey guys, I moved my family across the world away from my church that I grew up at, away from my gra- their grandparents in the middle of a global pandemic two weeks before Christmas. It was fun. It wasn't fun. But you know what? We weren't alone. And God took Matthew 28, 19, and 20, and the last part of it there where he says, lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world, that verse became real to me for the first time ever because God said, you're not alone. I'm with you always, even to the end of the world, man. And so, listen, you don't have to pretend it's fun. We do it because he asked us to. That's why we serve him. That's why we obey him. So are we willing to be obedient to the Father's will for our lives and deny our own will? Listen, if we want to reach the city, we have to be. If we're going to reach our state and this country and our world, we're going to have to be. I don't know. Listen, I I know that the end time is coming. And so, you know, America probably is going to continue down this path, unfortunately, that it's going. But man, you have to wonder, was it helped by the church just not doing her job? I don't know. The last couple of generations, though, have we just not done our job? We were sent to do a mission. We need to be obedient to the Father's will for our lives because sent ones are obedient. Because, listen, guys, we're soldiers. You guys remember that? When you got saved, you enlisted voluntarily in the Lord's army. You're a soldier. Soldiers don't call shots. They obey commands, right? And so God is our commanding officer, and he's given us a mission to do. And so we say, yes, sir, and we do it. Because, not just because he's our commander, but he's also a good father. And he loves us. And he gave his son for us. We don't only obey in fear and trembling. We obey out of love and service to the one who saved us. So let me just ask as we move on, who calls the shots in your life? Oh, I prayed about it. Oh, I'm sure you did. I've heard that one a million times, man. Sounded like you had your mind made up when you came to me and asked my opinion. (laughs) I prayed about it. I, I know, I know, brother. But listen, maybe consider for one second that God wants you to do something that you don't want to do. Because it seems like in America, a lot of people, God told them to do exactly what they wanted to do. Man, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> Who calls the shots in our life? Last one here, death. He became obedient even unto death. The death of the cross. It was the ultimate sacrifice, right? This was not just part of his mission. It was his mission. It's what he was sent to do. Now, okay, maybe that's not a good way to say it because we know John 17, discipleship, important part. But listen, if he didn't come and die on the cross, he didn't do what God sent him down to do to reconcile humanity to himself, right? And if he wasn't willing to do that, then he wouldn't have been obedient to the one who sent him. And so I'm sure you guys know this. This is where we're going. We're called as Christians to die to be crucified, to live crucified lives. Let's just rapid fire these. You know them. Luke 9, 23, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. 1 Corinthians 15, 31, Paul says, I die daily. Galatians 2, 20, he says, I'm crucified with Christ. Galatians 5, 24, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. Amen, 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 amen. Okay, awesome. We know it. Do we do it? Do we live crucified lives or are we just constantly doing whatever we want to do in light of the fact that God has sent us with a mission? It doesn't mean that like we have to sell everything and I'm not saying that. I'm just saying what is our mindset, see? We have to get our mind right before we get our actions right. Yeah, I, I know. There are some things if you just start doing them, eventually you'll change your mind. But listen, 
If we want to do the mission the way God intends for us to do the mission, we got to get our mindset adjusted to Christ's mindset. We got to get our ways set in the right direction so that our feet will walk the right way. So listen, this is the mindset of our, our ultimate example, Christ. He is the model for our lives, right? Remember where we came from, John 20. Jesus says, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. We are sent in the likeness of Christ. So the question that we've been asking, how was Jesus sent? Well, we just saw his mindset in being sent as he came to the world. This was his mindset. There's many other things. This could be a whole conference about how Christ was sent. But let's connect these points here at the end. We're going to tie point one and point two together, our way and our walk. And we're going to see how they're connected, okay? Check this out. If you want to do the right things, you got to think the right things. So number one, Christ made himself of no reputation so that he could humble himself. You'll see how these bullet points connect together. You got to do, you got to set up your way so that you can walk the right way. He made himself of no reputation so that he could humble himself. If you get your mind around the fact that you're a nobody, and listen, I say that with love. I'm a nobody. If you get your mind around the fact that we're nobodies, then humbling yourself daily is no problem. But if you think you're somebody, you're going to have a tough time with that. You start believing your own hype, start exalting yourself in pride, man, be sure God will make you low. God will humble you. Don't make God humble you. Humble yourself so he can use you for the mission. Number two, Christ became a servant so that he could be obedient. If you get your mind around the fact that you were saved to serve, then you'll have no problem obeying God. You'll have no problem obeying your pastors. You'll have no problem submitting to your husband. Children, you'll have no problem obeying your parents because you know I was saved to be a servant. And so Christ became a servant so he could be obedient to the Father's will for his life. See how that works? So if you desire to be served, you're not going to obey when God asks you to do something you don't want to do. But if you desire to be a servant to all, when God asks you to do something hard or uncomfortable, you'll say, yes, sir. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. It's that mindset. Number three, Christ was made in the likeness of men so that he could die our death. Now, listen, I know this one is a little different than the other two because it's such deep doctrinal truth. So if, if I was going to just take that and make it a little bit more of a personal application, it'd be something like this. Christ became as those he desired to reach, and he died so that he could reach them. And so we need to model our lives the same way. Are you willing to die to yourself and to your will and to become, uh, to become all things to all men so that we can reach them with the gospel? These things modeled by Christ are the mindset of those who are sent. And y'all, we've been sent. Every single one of us, not just me, not just other missionaries, not just your pastors. We've all been sent to reach people with the gospel of Christ. And if we're going to reach this community and even to the end of the world for Christ, we've got to get our minds right. And if you'll just seek to get your mind right, man, I'll tell you what, your actions will follow. But you've got to get that mind right. So we're, I'm going to pray here in a second. But listen, I, I, man, thank you guys for having me truly. Um, please come out and say hi to me. Visit at the table. I'd love to shake your hand and meet you, especially if I didn't meet you four or five years ago. But listen, this is too important to just leave here and be like, oh, it was good hearing the missionary today. No, no, no. Where are you at right now? Let's, let's pray. Every, every head bowed, every eye closed. And if you're in here today, and listen, I know, I know, probably most of y'all are saved. But listen, where are you at? How are you doing with these things? How's your mind? Listen, it's okay to get off track. Well, it's not okay to get off track, but it's normal. 
We, we need to check up every once in a while, right? We, we need to check which, I mean, if you just follow in your GPS for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles and you never check to make sure you're on the right road, you'll be way off in no man's land before you know it. So we got to check and make sure that our walk is right and our direction and our way. So if you find yourself today at a crossroads and be like, you know what, man, I've been veering from the path a little bit. I've been getting this, my mindset's been all about me and my vision for my life and what I want to do. Well, man, just get that right with the Lord right now today. I think we're going to play one more song. And, and man, you could, in your seat or at the altar, whatever you want to do, you can just say, Lord, man, my mind, I have let the world infiltrate my mind and, they, and let me think that this life is about me. It's not about me. Lord, would you take your word and renew my mind like it says in Romans 12 and renew it and transform it to be more like yours. And if you're in here today and you don't even know the Lord is your savior, man, can I just tell you, there's nothing that you can do to earn your salvation. There's no amount of good works. Man, even coming to church this morning ain't gonna get you to heaven. What you gotta do is place your trust in Jesus Christ. Quit working for it. And just ask him to save you. Romans 10 says, if you just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. All you got to do is quit working and just ask him to save you. But for the rest of us in here who, aren't, who are saved, man, let's make sure we got the mindset of Christ in regards to his mission.